Bob and Charlene Steinkamp, founders of Rejoice Marriage Ministries, invite you into their living room in Pompano Beach, Florida for a telephone conference call. Let's join other men and women from across the land who are seeking God's restoration of their marriage. Welcome to Rejoice Marriage Ministries telephone conference. We are thrilled to have you. And we uh, this is a beautiful Saturday afternoon in Pompano Beach, Florida, and we're thrilled to have you join us. And I know you may be from anywhere, so we're not even going to guess where you're from. But we pray that if you are encouraged, if you have a family, a friend, somebody that you've been trying to talk about marriage restoration or somebody that is a prayer partner, we encourage you to email them, text them, or have them call in and listen also because this may help explain what you're doing and what you've been called to do, the urging that you have felt uh, forever. You may be a brand-new stander and have just found us, and this is your first telephone conference. And if it is, we welcome you. We're thrilled to have you because we do these frequently, and we pray that you will um, be able to join us again and be able to tell other people to join in. And this is a conference, a telephone conference, that you can actually tell others to listen to because it is recorded, and you can go to our telephone conference page and you will have many conferences to listen to and uh, go backwards and start with today's and then you can go back and listen to many restored marriages and other standards that have uh, been guessed. And uh, we have Vicki who is a stander and she is standing and with us today for the first time and we're thrilled to have Vicki here. And we also have Rich um, who is a stander, and he has been standing, and he has been also been a guest before, so he is feeling a little bit more relaxed than Vicky right now. We're um, we're both thrilled to have we're both thrilled to have you both because you were both at the Ohio um, Rejoice on the Road uh, conference in Ohio, and uh, we were all blessed there. We sure well, were, okay. for sure. Yes, we were. Well, we're glad to have you both there. And last but not least, we have Tim, who is running everything to make it all work together. Um, And we're glad to have him. And we're thrilled to have Lori, who's going to be another moderator with me. And so welcome, everybody. And uh, we're just thrilled to have everybody. And what I'd like to do is open up with prayer and then with one scripture to start. And then we'll start talking to Rich and to uh, Vicki. Lord, we just come to you and we just lift up every standard that is remembering to call in and we pray that they're, they're going to be able to make time right now to listen to it live. And we pray that the ones that are very discouraged because they're home alone this very weekend, we all know what it's like to be home on the weekends alone when the children go and uh, we are left home alone and it seems like all the chores, all the responsibilities that we have to do, oh, the depression, oppression may overwhelm us, that we just sit there and just are grieving for what has happened to our marriages. So, Lord, I pray this will be an encouragement to them. I pray that we'll be the Barnabas to encourage them, and, and may this be the encouragement in the Holy Spirit. Touch anybody that's oppressed, depressed, that is feeling hopeless, 
feeling that their marriage is impossible. I pray that when they hang up, they're going to know that with God, nothing is impossible. And that God hates divorce and he wants uh, us to stand in the gap for uh, being the one to make a difference. And that we this is a call in our life. This is something that it's like receiving an assignment like Noah when he was told to build an ark. It's really something that you really can't say, okay, I'd like to do it today, but tomorrow, okay, I'm not going to do it. So, Lord, I pray that you will just anoint this session, this time, anoint every one of us that speak. May we have no technical problems. May everything flow beautifully, and we'll give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 I'm going to open up for Ezekiel 36. I if there was a standard that is calling in and is brand new, or if somebody has been depressed, discouraged, and has come to the point that we hear frequently, uh, weekly to be in fact, um, that I have not been praying, uh, I can't pray anymore, or I just am so weary, so tired, so discouraged that I don't even read my Bible. I would encourage you that there's that we have to pray in faith. Just just call out Dad, Father, Abba Father, Heavenly Father, uh, Holy Spirit, help me. If nothing else, that's what we got to do first. And I must encourage you to do that if it's every morning or if it's 20 times a day to get you through every day, then do it because he is right there with you and he does not want to fail you. But I want to give you a scripture that I pray that you will pray, get this scripture on cards or on index cards or um, post-it notes or if you'll memorize it. Um, But it's, and this is in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, and it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And Ezekiel 36, all from verses 22 all the way down to 36, um, are many powerful, powerful promises. But this right at the very top, at the very beginning of these scriptures, is talking about to cleanse you, but then to put you and your husband, or you or your uh, wife's name, so both. You know, even your children, if you've got teenager children that are becoming very rebellious, ask the Lord to cleanse them from their impurities and from all their idols, because you don't know what they might be. And then personalize it with both your names in it, and go on down reading the whole area of verses, actually 22 through 36. Because in verse 33 it says, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, on the day I cleanse you from all your sins... I will resettle your towns. And I always think of marriages. And the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified, inhabited. 
and this is my favorite. And then the nations around you are family, friends, church people, co-workers that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. And I just want to give that to you for hope for this week. If you have not ever started praying scriptures with you and your spouse's name in it, or if you're not praying this regularly, I would I would encourage you to go back to the basics and go back to praying this basic scripture because there's nothing more powerful than what we can pray is for the hearts of both ourselves and for your spouse um, and your, maybe your children to be changed and transformed and be have a new spirit heart of flesh to turn it to um, to from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. There's nothing more powerful than that. And so that's why I wanted to start, and uh, we're going to get going on this. And I'm going to start with Vicki. We're going to start with two people here that we really don't know too much about them. As you, you probably know nothing about them. I do. But that's not going to help you. So we're going to ask uh, Vicki, and we're going to then ask uh, Rich right afterwards, how did you get married? Um, were you was it a Christian wedding? Were you Christians when you got married? And uh, then the third question in this little area, Vicky, is did you realize when did you realize you had marriage problems? Uh, well, I was sixteen when I met my husband, and we dated while we were in high school. Um, and shortly after I graduated high school, my husband went into the Marine Corps. Um, he had asked me to marry him. Um, I don't know if I would say I was a Christian. Um, I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I, I grew up Catholic. But I didn't know because of the religion. Um, I was never told that I had to make a profession of faith. So I didn't understand that. Um, but it was very important to me to um, get married a church. So shortly after my mother had passed away, my dad had taken us to a Baptist um, church, and we went there, and that's where I decided that, you know, I actually changed and became Baptist, and, and that's where I decided that that's where I would be. Um, of course, the pastor wanted to make sure if my husband was a Christian, and after going to boot camp in the Marine Corps, <laughs> he said that he found God, and um, that was good enough, and we got married. <laughs> Um, but we never went to church or anything after that. Okay. And how many years have you been married? Um, Thirteen before we divorced. Okay. Good. Excellent. <laughs> Rich, tell us a little about how you started. Sure. I made your wife. Uh, uh, my wife and I grew up in the same church. Uh, we were in Sunday school classes and youth group together. But it was one of those things where we really didn't have any kind of boyfriend-girlfriend relationship or really even an attraction to one another uh, more than friends until I went off to college and she was in high school. And uh, I thought this young lady was really blossoming into a beautiful girl. And uh, so I became very interested in her. And so um, 
I feel very fortunate that I found my wife at church youth group. I don't think there's a better place to find one. And uh, we got married there in the church where we grew up. And uh, we have three boys who are all uh, almost teenagers or are teenagers now. And uh, we were married for um, 11 years before my wife left. And uh, I've been standing now for about eight years. And um, I think you ask, you know, how I began to find out that there were some problems. I would say that I just began to feel my wife uh, growing distant from me. And I was having a hard time uh, reaching her with any kind of real conversation or intimacy, uh, be it physical or conversation, uh, mental intimacy. She was just becoming distant. And uh, by the time I realized uh, that there were really serious issues, um, my wife was at a place where she was not interested in trying to save the marriage. And uh, that's when I got desperate and tried everything I could think of to try to save the marriage. Um, There was nothing that I could do to do that. And eventually... Uh, was led to Rejoice Marriage Ministries, and through my own Bible study, uh, I just realized that this is what I believe marriage is, that it's one partner for life until death do us part, and uh, God led me to a place where I didn't believe that I could do anything but stand, and that's where I still am today. Amen. Boy, that's a true word. Um, Vicki? You can catch up with him. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't think, Charlene, that I ever really saw it coming, to be honest with you. I thought things were great. Um, my husband, you know, nothing forthcoming, nothing that said we were having problems until one day out of the blue. Um, he just didn't want to be in, any, in the marriage anymore, and he said he felt trapped and um, that he... Loved me, but wasn't in love with me, and it was it was really shocking, I guess, because I always always felt that he was my best friend and and that I was his. Um, very very out of the blue, um, and then um, like Rich, you know, I had pursued or thought that you know, once somebody says they want out of the marriage, I thought maybe that divorce would be the only option. But God led me to you guys. And um, I started praying about it because it was confusing, you know, am I giving the boys false hope? I have two boys, they're teenagers now, Um, and I had a lot of questions, you know. Uh, Even though I was a Christian, I was also a baby Christian, so it's not like my faith was strong in being able to believe that God wanted to do this or even understand it, wrap my mind around it. You know, Vicki, let me interrupt and say, both of you had a pendulum, but... The the truth is that, Vicki, there's a lot of people like you that really had no idea it was happening. You know, that is the shock of it all, you know. Rich, you what, did, what made you think, what did your wife say or what, explain that a little bit from there? Sure. Uh, well, basically, I would say that... Uh, my wife was doing some things behind the scenes that I was certainly not aware of. Okay. And uh, so there was 
also like Vicky, uh, there was a shock uh, when Revelations came to light. Um, okay. Just how yeah. serious you know problems were, um, but it primarily you know started as I said with just my wife, my perspective growing distant, and I didn't seem to be able to connect with her, and uh, she wasn't you know interested in me quite honestly, and she wasn't right. interested in in the marriage. And I think both of you can would if you could look and talk to anybody else, men talking with you, they can feel that distance growing, growing, and growing. And then the women can really, a lot of women just had no idea what their spouses, they were going in the, walking in the motions, thinking everything is all right. And then the shockeroo of just saying, I'm not happy, and I'm leaving. And there is just no... It, they're they're in they go into shock and 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 just dismay and like you said many and men and women both like you both are shocked in the point that you have to go to the lord and have to find out what to do and what to cry out and to come to a, a alternative of seeking either help from your pastor, friends, your family that could lead you down the wrong road or you're going to almost cry out to your Lord if you've had that relationship and he will guide and direct your steps. Sooner or later, um, I think God does get us to look to him uh, because the people don't all agree with the same answers and everything else. Don't you agree? How did you... How did you get that close relationship, Vicki, to start with since, you know, you had not been going to church and so forth? Um, I had not. Yes, yes. I went back um, shortly before everything happened. Maybe I think God was preparing me. Um, We were living um, in Jacksonville at the moment, and it was... I was beginning to listen on my way to work to uh, Chuck Swindoll. Um, I was developing a hunger for God's Word, something that I really didn't have before. So it's like God was building my faith. Um, We moved to Fort Lauderdale, um, and then I started going to church. Um, so God like prepared me beforehand. I was, I was getting settled. I was getting into a church. I knew I wanted and hungered for God. And then this all happened. So now I had my church. But the way I started to stand is that I had actually gone to divorce recovery class offered at the church. And I figured, hey, the church is offering. So it must be okay to be divorced. Um, I went the first time, I was encouraged. The second time, I was a little iffy. And the third time, I just wanted to run. (laughs) I didn't want to be there. I just saw people who were miserable and bitter and broken. And I just was like, God, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be healing. There's got to be that you can restore people. Um, not knowing anything. I've never heard or, or seen a restored marriage ever in my life. And I remember Googling it and I found Rejoice. Um, I talked to my family about it. My sister was just recently divorced and she's like, no, but you know, people have got to want to change. And I was like, yeah, that's true. But I kept praying about it and kept praying about it. And it's what gave me hope. Nothing else gave me hope. Divorce didn't give me hope and, and this did. 
and God, um, God touched me in the sense that one day when I was crying, I had found out more bad news, and I was Friday. I remember I was going to the bank to cash my check, and I was in tears. I was like, God, he's a Christian. He can pray for him himself. And God told me, he goes, Lazarus couldn't come to me for help. Mary and Martha said help. He said, Jaharis went on behalf of his daughter, and the boy that was demon-possessed, his father went. So, six years later, I remind God, I'm like, God, you told me to come, and I'm still coming. Amen. Wow, that's a powerful uh, illustration that the Lord gave you for certain. And uh, it's the truth. I mean, if you or I had a child that was sick with cancer or if our spouse was sick with cancer, we would definitely be going to the Lord for praying for a healing, and this is definitely no different. Rich, get us caught up with how did you get into standing? Okay, I think we've lost Rich, so we'll get him back on. Um, So while we're getting him back on, Vicki, what other special scriptures have you, um, Vicki, why don't you uh, tell us, after the Lord spoke to you that, how did you start your stand? Um, well, fortunately, I was in Fort Lauderdale, so I started going to um, the Monday night meetings that were available with you guys. Um, it was it was still hard to believe um, because, like I said, I was just a baby Christian, and um, you just come to the point where you know that God can do it, but you're, you're still wondering if, he, if He'll do it for you. Um, so there was a lot of seeking the Lord. There was a lot of brokenness. There was a lot of tears. There was just being undone. Um, but God gave me two things. Um, one day during lunch, I remember praying because my husband, in essence, would be considered, I guess, a backslidden person. But mm-hmm. I had never heard of God really dealing with backslidden people. And and what I did think I knew was that once you backslide, that's it. God kind of like disregards you and he really doesn't have time for you. At least that's what I thought. And I was so desperate one lunchtime, and I was like, God, please tell me, please tell me that you deal with and you do care about backsliding people. Um, So I was praying, and the verse from Ezekiel 37, verse 20 to 23, it says, Hold before their eyes the sticks that you have written on and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over them, and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. For I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people. I will be their God. And I felt that God had just told me, look what I do for backsliders. Mm. That's my verse. (laughs) That is your verse. And I think you've also um, had Ezekiel 37 come alive to you also. The whole uh, breathing into me, the valley of dry bones. When I was standing, the Lord really spoke to me in Ezekiel 36, but then he took me into 37. 
And did he not do that with you? Um, yes, in a bit, but the dry bones really, I think, is more of a representation of speaking to dead marriages, um, where has Ezekiel 37 making us... Um, Correct. 37, 20 through 23 about making us one nation and stuff because we right. are divided, you know, and, and that's that's one thing that, you know, we long for has standards is not to be divided anymore to be two kingdoms. We want to be one with one God over us. Right, right. And Ezekiel 37, if any of you have not read that, I would strongly recommend it because if you have a dead marriage, which is what I had, and that's what the Lord used for me, is to, that, you know, look at these, all these dead bones, and he says, I will um, speak to them. I will make breath enter you, and they will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And uh, so that is a very powerful chapter of 37 uh, to read and to be encouraged that the Lord wants to breathe into us. He wants to breathe into you and into your spouse, but he also wants to have you believe um that nothing, nothing is too hard for him. Rich, did we get you back? I hope so. Can you hear me now? I can. I can. Okay, and Vicky thank you. just Sorry about shared. That. Uh, that's all right. Um, we just had Vicky share what scriptures uh, meant to her at the beginning, uh, how she started standing, and how she found standing, and uh, and how Ezekiel thirty-seven verses. 20 to 23, and then I shared about Ezekiel 37 at the beginning of breathing into dead marriages meant a lot to me. So get us, how did you start standing? You knew you had a problem. Yep. You knew it was serious more than that. She took divorce recovery for three weeks and flunked it. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was about the same with her. Bob took divorce recovery and found another person and was uh, going to be married forever, happy ever after. But um, he told me to take divorce recovery so I could move on. And I took divorce recovery and realized that I had I was not going to recover that way. So I started standing. Um, how did you? Uh, how did the Lord come and touch you and get you to focus on Him for marriage restoration? I think a lot of men want to be fixers, and um, so I thought I could try to fix things. And when I figured out that I couldn't fix it, I went on a mission. And my my task was, what does God say about marriage? And what is a mm-hmm. Christian man supposed to do when you're in this situation? If you want to honor your marriage commitment, you don't want to be divorced, but the other person does, what do you do as a Christian man? What am I supposed to do? And so I went on the best fact-finding mission I could go on. I'm a reporter, so I ask all the questions I could ask of anybody I could find. And I got a lot of good information. I got a lot of probably misleading information or misguided information. I think one thing that I've learned over the years of standing is that friends and family, well-meaning Christians even, will often tell you what 
they want to tell you because they don't want you to hurt. They don't want you to be unhappy anymore. They want to they want to see you happy. Uh, and, Positively. And I don't think that's what God necessarily has for any of us. I I don't I think there's joy that we're supposed to have, but I I just found that ultimately after asking all these people who I really needed to talk to and not that that counsel can't be valuable. And that's why we're all calling in today because we need that counsel and encouragement, but you got to go to God's word and then you got to ask God direct questions about what am I supposed to do? And as I read his word and all the passages I could find on marriage, I could come to no other conclusion than that I was to be married for life and that I was only going to be married to my wife and no one else. And it really didn't matter what my wife was doing. I was supposed to keep my marriage vows and I was supposed to keep loving her unconditionally. And so that's, the conclusion that I came to. And it also took me to a place where I found out that I couldn't rely on anybody else but God. And while I had been a Christian my entire life, I mean, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was five years old. I can never remember a time of not knowing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I thought I knew what faith was, but I never really had to express my faith or live out my faith. I never really had a crisis of this nature that, you know, really push came to shove and I had to show uh, who I really was in Christ and did I trust God or not. And so some verses that have really stood out for me, the first one that I think became the theme of my stand was Ephesians 5.25 because it spoke directly to men and it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And I thought, wow, if I can love my wife like Christ loved me, even in my sin, even when I'm turning and running away from him, can I love my wife like that? Can I sacrifice whatever pleasure or happiness or comforts that I might find in chasing some other relationship? Can I sacrifice myself to love my wife as Christ loved the church? Can I do that? And in so, can I help make my wife holy? Can I cleanse her? Can one day I see her presented her back to me as a radiant without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless? Can I be a part of that in seeing my marriage restored in that way, just as the church and the bride of Christ is restored to him? And that became probably the most important verse to me. Uh, Another verse that really stood out for me was just one chapter earlier in Ephesians 4, verse 32. And that's because when you are in that first part And I'm sure there are many people calling in today who are still trying to figure out, am I going to stand? Do I really believe these crazy people on the phone? Um, (laughs) And I'm just hurting. And I'm also mad. And I'm bitter. And a verse that really stood out to me was Ephesians 4.32, which says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And I need to really even back up a verse before that at 31, because this was it for me. And that was, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, 
brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, because there's a lot of that in the initial stages of a marriage breakdown on both sides. And I had to get rid of all that. And then I had to be kind and compassionate to my wife and forgive her just like Christ forgave me. I think those are probably two of the biggest verses that were big for me early in my stand. There's some others that maybe I'll share as we go along, but I don't want to keep talking too long. Well, those are powerful scriptures that I have used uh, for 23 years plus because that I I agree with that. I love Ephesians. Let me put it that way. If if you have not, we we need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We need to read what Jesus said, but then we need to go to the epistles. And one of the um, one of my favorite books of the Bible is Ephesians. I have many of them, but Ephesians one, two, three, four, uh, five, and six. I've got powerful, powerful nuggets of gold in it. And there's a lot of many scriptures that I suggest that you pray scriptures. Or we're also memorizing scriptures now, and I hope you have joined us in memorizing one scripture a week or one scripture every two weeks with us. And get your children to join in, because when you hide your word in God's heart, it will help you stay strong, and it will help you keep, the Holy Spirit will use those scriptures to keep you. But... um, even as um, you mentioned Ephesians 4 at verse 17, it talks about living as children of light at the top of my uh, verse 17 down. And it talks about put off, regard your formal way, verse 22, in regard to your, uh, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And I wrote about righteousness this week. And we need to choose and pray for that scripture for your spouse to put off their old self, put put off the selfish desires, the temptations of the world, and pray that they would strive to have the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ's mind and to put on the new self and to walk in righteousness and holiness. And that's, that's what we've got to pray for. We're praying for heart transformation. And, uh, Vicki, um, now you've started standing. How have you done? And has the Lord come alive to you? How did you grow spiritually? And, did you have to be more of a silent person with it? Did you get a prayer partner? Have you been able to um, be able to share with others in your family to get to the point that they now know you may be a fanatic, but you may be crazy, but you're going to do this no matter what? I am by far a fanatic. There is no question <laughs> about that. Um it was God has really blessed me. Um, when I went to divorce recovery class, I had met a girl, and it turns out that God had worked in her heart to stand for her marriage. Um, and then I went to you know the Rejoice Marriage Ministry Pompano's and met another girl, and there was actually three of us. 
we connected, um, and one of them has dropped off, but she's come back. She's back in our lives, but the other one has been in my life the entire six years. And I don't know what we would do without each other because we have seen each other grow. We know the trials. We know the, the, the ups, the downs, the joys, the thumps, the bumps. We know everything. Um, and we've been able to encourage each other because when we weren't strong in our faith, the other person was strong for us. Um, but he's also blessed me in the sense that in my husband's family, I have a deep relationship with them that has never been severed. My mother-in-law, at first, um, she's been like my mother. I, I've known her since I was 16. Like I said, my mother had already passed away two years, so she's been in my life. And my father died also. Um, so they've been in my life. Um, and at first, my mother-in-law really didn't understand, but she was very comforting, and she would let me just talk. Um, and, and she was like, you know... I know he's my son, but, you know, I, I don't like to see you hurt. And I said, I know, but God placed this on my heart. And I would just tell her and she would listen. Um, and I got to say that my mother-in-law, just by listening to me, has actually rededicated her life to Jesus. Um, she is now very vocal for her side of the family. Um, she gets to minister to her sister, her brother-in-law, um, her nephews, and she's just a, a light for them. And it's one of the promises that God had gave me because when I first started to stand, I was worried about the false hope that I would give the boys, and I was also worried about the, the ripple effect. What, what would the ripple effect be in the family? Well, in Bob's book, Prodigals Do Come Home, those questions, exactly the way that I had worded it, towards the last chapters were written by Bob and actually answered. And that's another way that God had confirmed my stand. And what I didn't realize is that I am seeing ripple effects in my husband's family, um, I just get to talk to sometimes his aunt, his cousins, and stuff, and and even my brother-in-laws will will talk to me, and I was like, you know, I love your brother. I don't know what to tell you. I I love him, and this is what I have to do, and um, none of them are saved and stuff, and they they say, I really admire you. Um, It shows loyalty, but hopefully what they're really looking for is, or what they can see, is the loyalty of Christ. Um, and you know, that's all we can tell them is to love each other unconditionally. And that's what I just keep telling them. I love them. I love them. I love your brother. Um, and they just, it's hard to wrap their mind around that. Amen. That's that unconditional love that not everybody totally understands. A lot of love and a lot of relationships is all very conditional. Even in church relationships or at home or family or extended family, it's it's conditional. And uh, our love is not. So, Rich, you... you uh, can get us caught up of where you're at, and you, they mentioned your children. How did you handle your boys, and how did you get them to understand um, the process of what you were going to do? And you made a stand. Of, you you talked about making a stand in Ephesians. Now, did you get to tell your family and everybody? How did they all ex- see you with mm-hmm. this? Well, it's um, 
one of those things where I think early on, as I mentioned earlier, my family and friends, many of them did not want to see me suffer. They did not. They wanted my pain to go away. They wanted to help me as best as they could, as and as quickly as they could. And so, many of their, I think, attitudes and responses were shaped by that. But it's been a beautiful thing to see uh, my family, who are uh, strong Christians, uh, I would say rather quickly come around to understanding my stand and my point of view, uh, and agreeing with me in God's word about. Uh, the permanence of marriage. I'm, I'm very fortunate that my parents are, are still married, and uh, while they have seen other of my f- brothers and sisters go through divorce, um, they understood where where I was at, why I was there, and after some initial um, thoughts of, well, you just need to get on with your life, they have come alongside me in my stand, and I'm grateful for that. Like Vicki, I have a very good relationship with many people on my wife's side of the family. And one of the things that I have seen over the years is that my wife was sort of the first Christian in her family. Uh, She came from a family where her mother dropped her off at church and picked her up after church. And But because of my wife becoming a Christian, her mother became a Christian before her passing away, uh, her father became a Christian. Uh, sisters and brothers and brothers and sisters-in-law have become Christians. And so I've been able to continue to have a good relationship with them. And uh, I've also seen uh, how God has used this in my family in an incredible way. Uh, I don't want to get into too many details. They're very personal. But mm-hmm. my younger sister went through a very difficult married situation. Uh, that has landed her husband in federal prison, and he's there mm-hmm. right now. And I know she wouldn't mind me sharing this because it's it's quite powerful, and it's what God has done. And I don't want to take credit for it, but I see how God has used it. And I am completely and firmly convinced that if I had not gone through this marriage situation with my wife, and the response had been different on my part, and I had not stood for my marriage, then my wife, or I'm sorry, my sister would have abandoned her husband, who is now in federal prison. And because of my stand, it completely reshaped how my family looked at my brother-in-law. And my brother-in-law has uh, completely surrendered his life to the Lord, did so before he was sent to prison, and now is making a difference in prison for the Lord. And my, my sister, in a very different kind of stand, is waiting for her husband to come home. And that would not be happening, I don't believe, unless God had first prepared our entire family for this through my married situation. And so while I certainly wish it hadn't had happened that way, I see sometimes I get a glimpse of how God is using the big picture way beyond what I can see. And that's one way I've seen it in my family. You ask about my sons, and it's a... My sons have come alongside me and prayed for their mom to come home and continue to do that. I've never said that they had to. I've explained my stand to them as clearly as possible. And uh, they understand, now that they're older, they completely understand why I'm standing, what I believe, uh, and they pray for mom to come home, with the exception of my oldest son, who's a freshman in high school. And he's always been one who has not prayed that. I think he wants it. I know he wants it, but I think he's a 
He's afraid to pray it. He's afraid to believe it. And uh, so my prayer for my oldest son is that God would make himself real to him. Mm. And, uh, and this may be one way that God will do it. Um, but I have, you know, it's a delicate situation with your children as to how you, you deal with that. And I think you always want to protect your spouse the best you can. There will come times where you have to point out, this is wrong in God's eyes. This is not, this is sin. And, but you have to always explain it. And I always told my boys from the very beginning when they were littler and they didn't, I couldn't get into some of the complexities. I love your mom. And I will always love your mom. And I forgive her. And I want you to love your mom with all of your heart. And I want you uh, to love your mom like dad loves your mom. And that's the way I've tried to approach it with them. Excellent. And, uh, Rich, I must say thank you that the Lord brought up about your sister and brother-in-law having to go to prison because we do have uh, spouses in prison due to circumstances. And uh, we say to them, you know, that standing is just a little bit of a different way of standing. And, it's, uh, you know, and we always, we have some that have not come to know the Lord yet in prison. You were blessed uh, that your brother-in-law did accept the Lord and have a transformation before he even went into prison, which is awesome. Because he can, he can be used greatly in prison. And uh, there are many uh, prodigals that are have spouses, men and women, that need to have pray that their spouse gets connected and has a heart transformation in prison. And there are many, many opportunities in prison to uh, be able to walk and have a powerful uh, ministry in prison, you know. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that's going to minister to some one person, and we can certainly direct the, this uh teleconference to people that have those circumstances for you. Um, And Rich, let me add also that it's so important what you said that you see the bigger picture in your stand because as selfish human beings, it's so easy for us to run to the throne of God and to complain and to say, why does this have to happen and why aren't you healing my marriage? And why am I suffering? And why do my kids have to suffer? But sometimes we have to go through that for things that we may not know on earth. We have, we may have to wait till heaven to find out the answer to some of those things. But the Lord is using each person that is standing for their marriage as a testimony to those around you. And you may not even know who you're ministering to, but who is watching you from across your church? Who is watching you and your behavior at work? who is paying attention to how you're dealing with the struggles and the trials that come. And even on your darkest days, God can use each of us to be a witness to what he can do and to the power that he has. And we have to be open to that. And that's part of the way, like Rich saw already, that he will strengthen, give us strength for the journey that we're on. Amen. And, you know, the building of, of, of Noah being called into the building an ark, he was called into building an ark, but he did not build it in two years or 20 years. It took over 100 years. 
and I'm sure his kids, his family members, his wife, all were uh, made fun of. He was made fun of, and he was um, an evangelist telling them to prepare and to encourage them that once they God spoke to him that to get on the the boat, you know, to for salvation and to get saved, that it was going to be a rain, a flood, and they did not believe him, but they did believe him after after the door was shut, you know, <laughs> and and I believe that we're we're building an ark. I believe every one of these standards around the world are building an ark that is people are questioning us and saying, why are you doing this? Why don't you go on with your life? But I can tell you that the second, third, and fourth marriages um, don't have, have more problems than your first marriage. And, uh, and we, a lot of people that I've worked with, they didn't understand this or nobody told them and they did, they were not believers at that time and they didn't even know what to do and they did not cry out to God. So I believe so important what you're saying is that our families are so important and even what your sister is having to go through, um, I believe they're going to go through the fire, but God is going to use them mightily. Um, Bob and I have had people in the years, years past, in the beginning of our ministry, where they've come out and God has used them and uh, God has taken them through the fire, but they've been purified and had a testimony that's unlike most people, you know. And we do have um, people that are right now are battling drugs, alcohol, selling drugs, and there are consequences to some of these things that can happen that they end up in prison due to this. But it does not change our assignment. And uh, I want to encourage standards. Don't let what your spouse is involved in, the, the description of what it is, if you even listen to Fabian or if you listen to other testimonies of men and women, they all have had sin, and there's different types of sins, but God can turn those around, and he can deliver your spouse. He can set them free, and um, there's many different ways that he does it. Um, but I want to tell you, you don't let what the world calls is that, oh, they're, they're an alcoholic or they're a drug addict. They're never going to change. That is a lie from the enemy. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, I can touch you and change you. I can renew your heart. I can change your, I can take that heart of stone, turn the heart of flesh. I can renew your mind. And there's a lot of scriptures in the New Testament of what he can do and the promises that are there. Vicki, where are you now with uh, your spiritual walk and where you've had some ups and downs and circumstances, but you've had a bigger circumstance come um, a few couple of years ago? Um, well, definitely in Standon, there are many, many seasons that you endure has a standard. Um, I believe the first couple years is the, the breaking down of ourselves. It's really the the heart being broken and, and the rebuilding of our hearts and the letting go of our heart to allow God to 
to put the pieces back together. And, and for me, the first years were probably the hardest. It was um, a lot of brokenness, a lot of tears, just a lot of mourning. Um, it was hard for me to even make a meal because it reminded me of, you know, how much my husband enjoyed my cooking. Um, I couldn't listen to country music. I still can't listen to country music, really. Um, there's just a lot of things that my heart is still sometimes grieves over some of those things, and you have to be sensitive. But once once you also start knowing God more, I was also toggling a lot, like I said at the beginning, which I knew that God wanted to or God could heal my marriage, but I wasn't sure if he wanted to. And that was um, a lot of double-minded, a lot of emotions, ups and downs. Um, it really was an unhealthy place to be because I would be fine one minute and then I wouldn't be fine and um, I'd be sick to my stomachs in the morning. And once, I can't tell you, Charlene, honestly, the day, the hour, the minute that um, I was just tired one day and I was like, I'm just going to believe God no matter what. And I remember that when that started to happen, and I had a lot more peace. There was a lot more um, tranquility. Um, I also had given myself little goals to look forward to, like instead of looking in the future, I was like, well, today I'm going to do this. And that helped me to just have joy and to, to give myself something to look forward to, set little Amen. goals. Um, Amen. And I didn't realize what I was doing, but obviously it was a leading of the Holy Spirit. It was coming out of that brokenness. But as God is, once you start to see his goodness and once he starts to heal you, the tests get harder. And I would hate to. <laughs> and I would not be doing any standard, any service if I told them that, that the tests don't get harder, but they do. Um, it they just they just do. I can't tell you all the tests. Um, nobody will ever know all the tests. Even my husband won't know. Um, God yeah. is the only one who really knows everything. Um, but they have been a blessing. I look back, and at the time, I didn't care for it. I was broken. I can remember nights by my window, by my bed, crying and say, God, please, just bring them home. Just bring them home. Emptied, poured out. And I'd get a shooting star, and it was just enough to get me to walk the next day. Or, you know, how we get covenant trucks. I don't think there so much as a sign as he's coming home today, as much as they are for our strengthening to make us or allow us to stand another day. God gives us those little things to encourage us to do it another day. Um, I had to break up the stand in two days. Um, and even to this point now, I don't even count really months or years. I can't tell you the anniversary of when everything went happened. Um, but I can tell you that six years now doesn't seem nearly as long as when six months when it first started because I thought six months was eternity. <laughs> and six years is nothing now. It's like, oh, that's nothing because God has been so faithful. Um, I consider my whole life a blessing, even though if I were to tell you my story, people would probably be like, oh, wow, you've had a hard life. But I don't feel that way. I've actually feel blessed. I believe that this road and that this um, 
standing for my marriage had to happen. I believe it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. I'm thankful to God for allowing it. Um, I know God like I've never known God before. Uh, I have anchor rocks in God, like things that I throw out that I'm like, God, Jesus, this is what I know about you. This is your character, and I may not understand what you're doing, but I know that it's for my good. So just help me to weather it, because I know that your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. I know as the heavens are higher, as the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways, and so are your thoughts than mine. Those are my, like, anchor stones when God gives me tests, and it's like, God, you know, my feelings are so opposite from what your word says, but I know that my restoration is not based on my emotions because they change daily, that it's based on your character. And I have to keep going back to it's based on God's character that he's going to restore on his promises and not the ups and downs of my my struggles and my sins. And it's not even performance driven because if I'm on my face a thousand hours a day or a year and fasting, that's not going to bring my husband home. God's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to bring you home. The reason that God allows me to be put on my face is because he's changing me. That's for my benefit because I'm the one who needs to be changed. He was always going to change my husband, but I can't die to myself if I can't seek God and if I don't seek God. And I can't be the Christian that I need to be without being in his presence daily. Amen. Amen. Rich Rich and Mickey, let me ask you a question that was submitted um, via our Facebook page. And one of you can answer it or you can both weigh in on it. It says, my husband left me for another person. He hates me and won't talk to me or deal with me. We have four kids and this hurts. It's been five months with no change. He blames me. I don't know if standing is the right choice. So what can you say to encourage um, people that are in that situation where they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel? They have a bad relationship with the spouse that is gone and they're having a hard time holding on. I don't mind starting on that one. Uh, The note I just wrote down to myself, something I wanted to share, is that I think one of the biggest things for standers and for this uh, lady that might help is you've got to get to the point where you quit worrying about your spouse. Mm -hmm. And so much of us standers, especially in the early stages like this lady is in, the very painful stages that Vicki described where you can't eat some days, you feel sick to your stomach all the time, your work is affected negatively. I went through that for sure. But it, a lot of it comes from worrying about our spouse. And we're, you know, what are they doing today? Who are they with today? Uh, what did they do with my kids today? What did they say to my kids today? And I think the best thing for a stander is to get to the point where they are never stop praying for their spouse, never stop asking God to change their heart, never stop loving their spouse unconditionally, and allowing the Holy Spirit to show them and to tell them when to reach out in some way, whether that's a phone call or a text or a gift. And that's something we could talk for hours about. But as the Holy Spirit leads you, never stop doing those things. But the biggest problem as I talk to a lot of standers is, is they're worried about what their spouse has done or what their spouse has said or 
you know, in this case, you know, my spouse is with someone else and they seem to be so happy. You've got to get to the place where you can just say, God, you work on me and I'm going to follow you. I know this is what you've told me to do, so I'm just going to obey you. And I'm going to let you, God, worry about my spouse. I'm going to let you take care of things on that side of the mountain, as Charlene so often says. Um, A lot of times you can't see on the other side of the mountain, so quit worrying about what's going on on the other side of the mountain. Let God worry about that and you worry about yourself. And I know that's easy to say and difficult to do. I'm preaching this sermon to myself, too, because it's not always easy for me not to be consumed by what my wife is doing or wondering what's she thinking or how could she do this? Why would why does this make any sense for her? And you always will find more peace when you worry more about yourself and let God worry about your spouse. That would be my answer. And I, I want to interject because we haven't done it today. And we have brand new people that are listening here. And I want to say one thing is we got to remember that this is not our flesh and blood that is doing this. They have been deceived. They've been tempted. They have fallen into sin. They've been blinded. And uh, there is absolutely, anybody who's read any of Bob's books, he talks about it over and over and over again. But in, in Ephesians 6, it says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your spouse, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And let me say to everyone that is listening, as we try to say, be sure to learn to put on the armor of God, the blood of Jesus, the wall of fire, and hedge of thorn bushes, Hedge of protection around you and your spouse and your family every day because they're not doing it. They are blinded. They're deceived. They're living in sin. They don't even see anything to be wrong. We had, uh, last Monday, we had three uh, restored marriages that actually came in, and I mentioned in our devotional on Wednesday. But in the one or two of them, they all basically have said before, and they even the ones that spoke at the conferences, that they do not, they did not realize, they were blinded to what they were doing and did not realize what they were doing. When the Holy Spirit lifted the scales off their eyes, when they had their own Damascus Road experience, they then can't even believe what they've all done and for how, what they, how long it took or whatever. It's just, they're deceived. They're blinded. That is exactly what it talks about. And I think that is the devil will torment the stander to look, look, look at what they're doing. Look what they're doing for the kids. Look what they do on the weekends. And look what they're doing with the other person, having so much fun. And I can tell you, in my personal situation, I did not have the money to even compete with that and, um, and never did. And this is where that I think all of the standards have a difficult time with it. So it it definitely is an understanding that a woman that's been standing for five months and has the problem of having four children, it is a difficult stand, but you keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at the circumstances. And we even have 
a um, devotion, uh, a CD that says stop looking at your circumstances. We have devotionals that even explain it. So that is the first step, which I think Rich is going to say, and even Vicki, that if the longer we keep looking at the circumstances, the longer we let the enemy torment our own mind, yeah. then we're going to be defeated and it tears us up. Amen. And I want to say that I can honestly relate with that standard because I have two kids. And that sounds pretty much like the first couple years of my standing. It was difficult. I was broken. And the emotions that I was feeling were so strong that anything that was said or done just added to my um despair. Even though I knew I was called to stand, there was a point in my stand that I got hopeless. And I did not see a way of joy. I just didn't see that I could be happy ever again, not in marriage, but in life in general. And um, God took me down this really deep, deep valley that I am so grateful for because I have learned so much from that valley. And what it was is that I had to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And what I realized is that I was allowing myself to have thoughts that was breaking my own heart. And I couldn't live and function that way. So I'd be driving sometimes with my hands up and I'd have a a, a thought and I'd be like, God, please take this. I can't handle it. My heart hurts. My heart hurts. And I I would do that maybe a hundred times a day for a couple weeks. And then eventually, you know, God helped me to recognize the thoughts that were stealing my hope. And and that's what I learned. But you know what? That was the grace of God because that wasn't something that I knew to do. It's just how we fall forward in God's grace and God just gives us this and, and, and we realize that God has really blessed us in our stand because I didn't know what I was doing was um, biblical. Like I said, I was a new standard in my stand. I was a new in, in my walk with Christ. So I didn't know about taking every thought captive, but I was realizing what was hurting my heart and I just couldn't function and be a good mother if um, I was broken and crying all the time. Let me ask you another question that that was presented to us Um how? What contact do you have with your spouses now? How often do you see them? And how do you know when to communicate with them, when to invite them to family functions, when to include them in things with the children? And how do you know when you're crossing the line? Some people are wondering if they're trying to manipulate a situation by having their inviting their spouse to come over for a family dinner. So they're wondering... How do you know when you can do that and when you're trying to manipulate things? Well, that's a hard question. Um, Since we've been standing for, Rich and I have been standing for as long as we have, there are seasons in the communications, there are seasons where, at least for my half, um, where communication has been abundant and then it's backed off and it's been abundant and it's backed off. Um, We are actually now in a be still season and we had come from a very abundant season where we were communicating, but... In that communication, 
um, I presented this most recent communication to God, and I said, God, I, I really want communication with my husband, but I feel that by me texting him, then I'm the one who's trying to look behind the scenes and see if you're working, and I don't think that that's fair to you. Um, I really would like for you to open the door, and if you open the door, then, of course, I'm going to pounce on it, and I'm going to, you know, take it as a sign that, you know, you, you did, and... um so God has really done that, but every now and then I will send on an off chance and a little text, but nothing big, but just like a funny saying, hey, I thought you could use this, it's funny, but 99% of the time the communication is coming from him instead of me. Um, we live in different states, so I can't exactly ask for him to come to family functions, but there have been occurrences where I have been able to bring the the boys down to him or when he's had a job that took him out of town, we've been able to meet up and, and, and I've been able to bring the boys, um, to him. Um, you really have to pray. And if you're really, you got to seek your own heart. And if your motive is really just to see what is happening behind the mountain, then that, that, that's not from God. Um, and I really know myself well enough to know why am I really texting him? Is it because I love him and I want to bless him or because I want to see behind the mountain? And when I really give myself that straightforward answer, then I know why I'm sending a text and why I shouldn't send a text. Um, and a lot of people, to be honest with you, probably want that communication or to see that behind the mountain um, when God is more interested in us being still. Amen. Let me just read a scripture, and then I'm going to have Rich uh, respond. But in James chapter 4, it says, um, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything and if any of you lack wisdom he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him but when he asks he should he must tr- uh, when he asks he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And I'm just going to say one second's worth of we need to understand that we've got to, like we said, seek the Lord and he will give us wisdom day by day, one minute at a time. Jesus is the answer. The Holy Spirit is the answer. Your Heavenly Father is the answer. They can help you more than anybody can help you. Um, they, God does speak. And, and I, I can say that most of us standards that have been standards would not want to go back to where we were because our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is so much stronger and so, so real. And, uh, we all needed that. And, uh, Rich, I'll let you, uh, you're going to probably, be closing shortly but anyway we just wanted I just wanted to put that in we needed to get that scripture of joy in yeah I don't think I need to add much to what Vicki has said and Vicki I just want to say because I get to talk on this teleconference uh, what a blessing you've been to me and uh, how much you've encouraged me I've loved what you've said and um, I would say almost amen to everything you've said today and I think Vicki answered the question pretty well my only thing to add would be that 
You just have to rely upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And as Vicki said, what's your motivation for doing something? Um, ask yourself that. Ask God, you know, I believe God has placed in my heart many times when I was supposed to call my wife or invite her to this or invite her to that. I'm very fortunate that um, my wife and I have shared custody of our three boys. It involves us uh, actually moving the boys back and forth uh, several times a week uh, to each other's houses. And so while that might seem like a lot of communication, honestly, it really isn't. Uh, my wife chooses to uh, drop and go as quick as possible most times. Um, a lot of that is sometimes, as Vicki referred to, seasons. Uh, my wife has been in several seasons and other relationships. Uh, I've endured circumstances in several of those seasons that would be another thing to tell you, don't worry about the circumstances because they change. Um, you know, I'll just quickly share that I've been through an engagement that, praise the Lord, did not result in marriage. But there are a lot of circumstances that change, and that often, at least in my situation, has affected the communication. When my wife is in another relationship, she chooses not to want to communicate with me very much. And so I have to be, and I also have to be a little bit sensitive to that, I think, in terms of the kind of communication uh, that I'm delivering when my wife is in another relationship. And so I try to be careful about that as well. But to wrap up, I just say you've got to trust the Holy Spirit and you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, and is this self-motivated or is this what God is leading me to do? Rich, what would you say to a man if he's just starting or just getting in it? What would be the one, two things that he needs to do first? Well, I think he's got to first of all decide that obeying God is the most important thing. And if this is what God's telling me to do, I'm going to be a courageous man who will take this stand no matter what others may say, uh, no matter what my feelings may be. Uh, Because I always tell people, if you think of your Christian walk as a train, you've got to uh, live by the facts of the coal car and let the coal car facts fuel the train, and let the caboose be feelings and emotion. They're just coming along for the ride. They're not driving the train, and they're not fueling the train. Um, That's one illustration that helps me out a lot, but you've got to decide I'm going to be obedient. If you can, find another male stander that you can confide in, who you can occasionally vent with. (laughs) Uh, I have uh, seen uh, my male stander friend who was closest to me here in, uh, in Indiana Uh, His marriage has been restored, praise the Lord, and he's been remarried now for over a year, and that is more evidence to me that God does do this. He does restore marriage. And, uh, you know, am I jealous? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's only natural, right? (laughs) Yes, but uh, that would be the two things is, you know, know that you're going to be obedient and find a male standard that you can confide with. Vicki, any last words for a woman? I would say as women, (laughs) we tend to have a lot of emotions, a lot of ups and downs. Um, 
And it's really important to not live our faith based on our emotions. Um, like Rich said, exactly, um, the emotions are the caboose. They're not the central part of what is driving our faith. We have to just get in the mindset that we walk by faith and not by sight. And we have to keep coming to God and saying, God, my emotions, they're, they're up, they're down. And even God wants to talk to us about our emotions. He wants us to, to cry or, or be okay with eating a bag of Doritos, talking to him on the couch, because God is our friend. He understands all the intricacies of our emotions, and we have to be honest. I used to think that because I had emotions of fear and doubt that I was um, letting God down, um, and I wasn't bringing my fears and my doubts to God, but it got to the point where I just couldn't handle them anymore, and I was like, God, I feel by telling you that I have fear and doubt that I am not as spiritual, that I am not going to make it, you know, that, you, you know, why would you restore my marriage if I have fear and doubt? Um, but what I found is that God was okay with me telling him all of these things, and he gave me the strength to keep going. And um, on my really overwhelming days, I just keep going to him. And it's like, okay, here I am. I still got fear and doubt, or here it is again. And some days I wake up with condemnation, and I haven't done anything wrong. And I was like, God, we were so good yesterday. Why Why do I but feel condemned? remember that is from the enemy himself trying right. to defeat you. In Isaiah right. 41, it says, you are my servant. I've chosen you and have not rejected you. Verse 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I think that is for every standard today. And we have run out of time, as we always do. This is the fastest hour and a half and when we have a telephone conference. Um, unless you do a, a a big conference, and then the time flies also. But we want to uh, thank everybody that has been here and all the questions, and we'll try to do the uh, devotionals with them and maybe just do question-and-answer devotional. But also we want to say that a lot of these scriptures are going to be from Matthew 19, Mark 10, um, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, and uh, Malachi chapter 2. Because we talk about what the Word says. And if you go into Charlene Carey's, you can type in some of those scriptures and you can get devotionals on it. So we appreciate it. But we're going to close with prayer. We're going to have Vicki pray for men. I know, Vicki pray for women. Rich is going to pray for men. Lori is going to close with children. And I'm going to then close. And we're thrilled you came today. And let us pray that the Lord's going to touch you and get you through the crisis that you're going through right now because the Lord wants you to have victory as you stand. And you can walk in victory and you can be on the mountaintops. You do not have to be in the valleys all the time. And uh, that's what why the daily devotionals are there. That is why we have the Stop Diverse Radio. Please use our resources. They will help you keep your eyes focused and not be alone every day. Okay? Vicki, may we have you start? Sure. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you, Lord God, to lift up all the standards, Lord God, and I just want to ask you, Lord God, to help them, Lord God, the way that you have helped us, Lord God, each and every day. 
Lord, the promises of restoration are for them, just like they were, Lord God, for Luce and Fabian, Carrie and Ryan, Andy and Sonia, Lord God, and Bob and Charlene, and the many people, Lord God, that you have restored. I know that many people are in different stages and seasons, Lord God, in the stand, Lord God, and, and I know how hard it was at the very beginning, Lord God, and I know, Lord God, what it's like to have a broken heart, Lord God, but you are the God that binds up the brokenhearted, Lord God, and as you are doing that, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that they would see, Lord God, your goodness in everything that you are doing, that all things, Lord God, work out for the greater good of those that love you, that this path, Lord God, even though it's hard, Lord God, it's the best thing that could ever happen to us. There is joy in the morning, Lord God, and it comes even before our spouses are brought home to us because we know you in a deep, intimate, personal relationship, Lord God, and for that, we will never trade it, Lord God, even with the lumps, the thumps, and everything that you have allowed to come our way. I just pray, Lord God, that you would, Lord God, open their hearts to receive the hope, Lord God, that it would be another confirmation from you to them, Lord God, that yes, you are going to restore them, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that they would just see your healing power, Lord God, and that you would help them, Lord God, to stand another hour, another day, another week, Lord God, because you are faithful, Lord God, to your word. Remind them, Lord God, that the restoration is not based on emotions, Lord God, but by faith, Lord God, and by your care character, Lord God, which is unchanging. You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and we thank you, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord God, that you are continuously, Lord God, working behind the mountain, Lord God, and we know that the enemy is a liar, Lord God, and we take every thought captive to the obedience of you, Lord God, and we just ask you, and I ask you, Lord God, to cover, Lord God, all the standards, Lord God, with the blood of your son, Jesus, from the crown of their heads to the sole of their feet, Lord God, and I ask that you dress them all, Lord God, in the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet of peace, the helmet of salvation, and the shield of faith, Lord God. Help them, Lord God, and put that hedge of protection around them so that the enemy cannot steal the word, Lord God, or the seed of restoration, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, Lord God. We thank you for your mercies being new every day, Lord God, and I just give you the grace and the honor, Lord God, because you are worthy to be praised. You said, let it be on earth, Lord God, as it is in heaven, Lord God, and in heaven, Lord God, your name, Lord God, is lifted up high, exalted, Lord God. We lift up our hearts to you, Lord God, to exalt, Lord God, Jesus, because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity. Watch over them and guide them. In the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time that we've had today. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of it, to be encouraged. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, the words that we have spoken today uh, have come from you. And even as I pray, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would inspire my words as I think specifically about men standers who may be listening right now or who will listen to this soon, Lord. And I pray specifically for uh, for their strength and their courage to be men of God uh, in, a, in a unique calling, in a, in a place where there may not be many of their peers, even Christian peers who are making the decision that they have made, who have answered your call to love their wives unconditionally. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them in that, that uh, you, Lord, would give them courage. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to find uh, another man who they can come alongside and encourage, who can sharpen the iron in their lives, and that they can do that for one another. Uh, Lord, I know that that has been so criti- critical in my, in my stand, and, and I've been able to uh, walk alongside other men as well. Lord, I pray that you provide that for a male stander out there today who just feels like maybe he's all alone in this. 
And Lord, I, I pray most of all that they would know that you are all that they need. And I pray, Lord, that they would draw strength from that. Lord, I pray for, for men in their loneliness. And I pray, Lord, that they would, uh, particularly in the area of sexual temptation, Lord, that they would be pure. I pray, Lord, that they would protect their eyes. I pray, Lord, that they would uh, take thought those take captive those thoughts that would detour them from uh, purity in their in their sexual lives, Lord. I pray that for, for men standers who are listening to my words today. Lord, I want to pray Hosea chapter 2, the, the prophet stander, if I can call in that, Lord, that the verse that is spoken to me in chapter 2, verse 6, I pray this today, Lord, that therefore I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. And then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. For then I was better off than now. I pray mm-hmm. there would be prodigal wives who would come to their senses today and realize that and would come back to their husbands who are standing like the prodigal father, waiting at the door and waiting to welcome them home. I pray, Lord, that uh, these men would always leave their homes open that their wives would know that the door is always open. And that uh, for those who are struggling with communication, uh, that you would open those lines of communication. And for those who are uh, wondering, what should they do? How can I fix it? What's my next step, Lord? Uh, That you will just give them wisdom and that uh, they will trust you and that they will first and foremost seek you and allow you to work on the other side of their mountain. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to come together and to speak about you and your greatness and the things that you've done. I thank you for Rich and I thank you for Vicki and their willingness to be transparent and to share the battles and the victories that they've had as they've journeyed through standing Lord, I pray for each person that is listening to this, and I just pray that you would give them the strength and the courage that they need to carry on. It is not easy, and we understand that, and we know that your family and your friends and people at church might think that you're crazy, but Lord, I just pray that you would help them to realize that they are standing with you and that we don't have to be ashamed of what we're doing when you're behind it. Lord, I pray for the children that are affected by the divorce and the separation. And a lot of times they're too young to understand what's going on. And their heart just breaks because they want mommy or daddy at home. And sometimes they're like Vicki and Rich's um, boys that are older and teenagers. And they know what's going on. And they know that they have a parent that's not making right choices. Lord, I pray that you would protect these children I ask that you would guard them from the hurt and the many things that come from this season of life. And Lord, I pray that as these children get older and grow into teenagers and into men and women, that you would protect them from the things that the world has to offer. So many children of separation and divorce have such low self-esteem, and it's not uncommon for them to look to other um, influences for their self-worth. And God, I pray you would protect them from the drugs and the alcohol that they may be offered at school. I pray that you would protect them from entering into sexual relationships that they should not be entering into just to have a feeling of comfort and self-worth. And God, I pray that for every boy and girl that is out there that has an absent parent at home, that a godly man or woman would step into their lives 
and help minister to those children and help be an example of a father or a mother while their parent is not involved in their life. I've seen it happen before, and I know the benefit that it can be. And I just pray that you would send that to these children so that they can have another person to draw from and to to gain insight from. Lord, I pray that as um, many of the standards have children that stand with them. I know Vicki's son that I had the opportunity to meet is, meet is standing with her, and he's proclaiming that he wants his father home. And I just pray that you would help the um, boys and girls and the teenagers be able to do that with their parents. And Lord, if they can't do it right now, I just pray that in time you heal their hearts and help them to become a fighter for their parents' marriage, just like the standard that's praying for the spouses absent God. Help these children to see that there is power through you and that you do answer prayer and that you have not abandoned their family. And I just pray that they would somehow, someday, see the victory and what has happened because of the stand that their parent has taken. I thank you for um, the opportunity that we've had to share today, and I just pray that it would be a blessing to those that have been part of it. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for all how many people have joined us today. We give you the glory and honor that have been, been so many. And we just ask you to touch them, to encourage them, to increase their faith, their hope, their trust in you, Father. May they realize that they don't have to look about. It says, do not worry about tomorrow, but just to deal with one day at a time. The Lord is, uh, in Matthew 6, talks about, do not worry about you, what you wear or what you're going to eat. And Lord, if we can just take the word and make it come alive to every one of these standards, and may they read the word and, and grow in the Lord and surrender their heart and life to you, that you will be their spouse for this season, you will be their friend, their counselor, their defender, their healer, their, um, they'll, you'll be their all. And I could have never, never, never made it without you one day at a time. Never made it out without you one day. I talk to you constantly. I still now, without Bob here, I still talk to you morning, noon, and night and ask questions and say, give me wisdom, give me direction. What should I do now? What should I do in an hour? That's the relationship I pray that you all will seek that he wants that close relationship with you and that your children will understand that through school and as they start this school year that they can seek the Lord and help, he can guide and direct them and he's right there with them when they have a problem at school or a, a tough teacher or kids calling him names that they can call on their Lord to protect them and, and protect them and give them the right words to how to respond. Lord, it says in Mass in Romans, seven that uh, was one of the scriptures God gave me regarding Bob that he kept doing what he did not want to do it was the evil that I do not want to do this I keep on doing now if I do what I do not want to do it is no longer I who do it but it is sin living in me and Lord we know that we know there are so many of our standards the spouses that have opened themselves up either to sin that they did not realize or they have had a hidden sin of pornography or alcohol or drugs all along or marijuana and all of a sudden the marriage has exploded 
And Lord, we pray that you will just understand that it says in the end that Jesus is the answer. And we pray that you will understand that you don't have to look at the circumstances if we will just look to our source being that Jesus is the answer for everything that you're going to face. And Lord, we pray that you will put that 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, that the standards will be patient and kind and not envy, will not be rude, will not boast, will not be proud, will not be rude, will not be self-seeking, will not be easily angered, and will keep no record of wrongs because love does not delight in evil but rejoice with the truth. And it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres because love never fails. And Lord gave me that scripture to pray both in my husband and my names in it for over two and a half years. And Lord, I know you bore the fruit of it with a book. And I just pray you will get these standards to focus on what love really is. And if we can make First Corinthians come alive. So Lord, we pray that this is going to be a transformation season where this is going to be a moment of decision, maybe this very weekend, that they have heard us, they have cried out for God, and what is your will, what is your way, and now you're going to direct their steps. And we pray that you will speak to them. Lord, I pray they will hunger and thirst for you, but I pray they will go to church and will worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I pray that they will not take surveys and not listen to what the pastors may say in negativity, but they will know that they have been chosen. They're uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac, they're um, a Joshua, they're a Moses. It doesn't matter. God has given us an assignment, and it is, we are going to be used as a higher standard than maybe someone else, but we're going to be used. So, Lord, I pray you would encourage them. May you give them the hope and the strength that they need, and may they um, just cry out to you today, and may today be they, the day that they have their own personal surrendering their heart and life and marriage to the Lord, and then they have their spouse praying for there to have a Damascus Road experience suddenly and quickly. And I'm going to close, Lord, with the scripture that I close with, with our There's Hope Conference. And may the God of hope fill each of you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that for every standard, for every one of their children, and we pray that will come alive into their spouses. We know that God is healing and resurrecting marriages. We have the Saturday testimonies. We know we've seen the couples that we work with. And we want you to believe today that your marriage is not impossible. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory, Lord, because we want to proclaim once these marriages are restored, we want to talk and share with them and we want to proclaim it to give hope to every person that is starting to be called to be a stander and to stand in the gap for their spouse and for their marriage and we'll just give you the praise and glory thank you thank you Lord for all that you did in Jesus name we pray amen amen Vicki Britt yes. Lori we ran out of time again <laughs> <laughs> it was a blessed, blessed time, and uh, we could have gone on with a lot longer with many questions, but we've made a big dent in it, and I just appreciate all of you being so transparent in everything, and uh, God was awesome. He was faithful. Amen. 
thanks for the opportunity. Uh, it's uh, as I said, Vicky. Uh, you encouraged me probably more than anybody else who called in today. So thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I get to see your Head side on. of it, Rich. So I love to hear from male standards, and I love to see you know because that's what you are the epitome of what we're praying for our husbands. So we know that Amen. it's possible for them. Yeah, absolutely. And vice versa. Yeah. And we we definitely want to remember your children because your children represent all the children around the world that need uh, a standard to be strong in the Lord and to direct their steps and to keep them close to the Lord. And we, Lori and I, are big youth fans of getting them involved in the church and getting them active in there so that they can grow in the Lord and uh, not be angry and feel deserted that one parent wasn't, they weren't important enough to have their mom or dad stay home with them. So we uh, definitely want to keep lifting everybody up and we do that that's our our mission is keep praying so thank you guys we appreciate it and uh, now this will be recorded and uh, we will have it on the uh, internet shortly where people can listen to it so we give God the praise and the glory thank you and have a very blessed weekend with the Lord you too All right. take care thank you Lori thank you Tim God bless bye bye If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.